Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I love the guitar in Downbound Train, the rhythm to it. Uh, my hometown is very sentimental to me because the first, uh, I guess, first of it, first few lines was literally my life uh, growing up. You know, I was eight years old with a, uh, I was, yeah, eight years old running with a dime in my hand to the bus stop to pick up a paper with my old, for my old man. I'd sit on his lap in that big old Buick. So I literally still have that Buick sitting out in my yard. I mean, it's it's rusted through and through. It's there's no saving it, but it's dad's car. It just means that much to me because I remember sitting in his lap and, and you know steering and all that. So that song has a lot of you know sentimental value to me just just because of the beginning part of it. So. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Um, I guess we're getting off the Springsteen train, but we're getting on the Springsteen truck. Uh, Dino is joining me, uh, has had a unique job over the past few months. Uh, Dino, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Yeah, tell us a little about yourself. Um, well, I'm 50 years old, uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, moved down to Florida when my father retired early. Um, been down south since I was 21. Uh, always tried different things, but somehow always get drawn back to driving a truck. Yeah. So you're Going on you're, my 32nd year with a CDL. Yeah, you were telling me, and, and if you could tell the story again about how your third generation but you just missed having a chauffeur's license instead of CDL. Please tell that story. 
So I believe it was 91, I think, or something like that. Um, it used to be a chauffeur's license, and you can get it at 18 and drive even locally, you know, at 18 years old. Well, my birthday's in December. In September of that year, they changed it to a CDL, which raised the interstate age to 21. So guess what? I had to wait three months, three years instead of three months. And you knew you wanted to get in this business even at 18? Yeah. It's funny because um, my father didn't want me to become a truck driver. And I basically had to go behind his back to learn how to drive at first. So what happened was, is I saved the money for the first lesson. Um, didn't even tell my mother because I was afraid she might tell him something when it took my first lesson. Coming back to the school, my dad is standing outside and I'm like, there's no way. How did he find me? You know, I, I just couldn't figure out how he he found it because I paid cash for it, you know, for the lesson. He was laughing, though. He says, you see the old man in the back that's running the place? He goes, yeah, he was my instructor 30 something years ago. He recognized the name and gave me a call. <laughs> I'm like, great. So my father was like, look, if, if you're strong, if you're willing to go behind my back to learn how to drive, I'll teach you how to drive the right way. And that's where I started, you know, driving. Uh, a few years after that, eh, probably about, I don't know, 10 years after that, you know, I'm still driving locally. I'm like, I got to make some money. I'm going to go over the road. And this was probably 05, 06. And he didn't want me to travel. Well, I bought my first rig, parked it out front, and my wife goes, your dad's outside polishing the truck. And it was like early in the morning. So he was secretly proud of that first rig. So, and I've been, you know, kind of tried to break away a few times, but always end up back driving. What did you do from 18 to 21 to bide your time? I actually worked for the union where my dad was as a truck driver, but I was a, like a warehouseman, loader, uh, mover, stuff like that. I just couldn't drive the truck. And I, le I left that union in probably 1994. Okay. Yep. So I always like to start at the beginning, Dino. So talk about, you said you grew up there, um, you know, in, in Brooklyn, right? Um, right. So what kind of music did your family listen to? What is it? Was it a music family? Was it a lot of music in the um, house when you were a well, kid? My parents are from are, are from Greece, so they listen to a lot of the old traditional stuff. I was first born and raised in, in New York or in America, for that matter. So kind of drove my dad crazy with some of the music I listened to. You know, I was a big late 70s, 80s kid. I still am an 80s person. You know, I listen to 80s so much. My wife's like, you know, you got to get out of the 80s. Um, but I do listen to a lot of other things as as I grew older. Um, I married my wife and really got into country. I, I had dabbled in country for a little bit, but really got into it after I met my wife because she's from Alabama. Um, she's a rock and roller, though. She's a little country rock and roller, this one here. I like to listen something that's different, something that's got a good beat. I, I don't even care if it's in my language or not. If it's got a good rhythm, I'm, I'm going to listen to it. 
Then probably later on in the in my mid twenties, mid to late twenties, I started getting into the traditional Greek music, kind of connecting with with my heritage, you know, because I was more trying to be, you know, an Amer you know, New Yorker, an American, you know, and then I just started appreciating the Greek culture more and more as I as I grew older. You mentioned, um, you know, kind of being a seventies eighties kid. I graduated high school in seventy seven. So I'm about 10, 15 years older than you. Um, but yeah, that in, you know, the eighties is a good time that one thing about us old white guys, right. We, we tend to go to our, this is our music. And it's sometimes it's hard to get us to expand our horizons for new music. Like, hey, I've got the music I need, what I need. I think it's cool that you explored your, the roots, the Greek music and uh, that, that culture. Um, I always think of food, right? With the Greeks and in a lot of celebration. Right. So that's kind of cool. What kind of music did you discover as you were exploring that? Um, it was, like I said, it was a lot of the traditional stuff that my father listened to when he was young. Um, like just the classic uh, 50s, 60s. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Um, they did a lot of uh, nightclub type stuff, kind of like the only way I could compare it is here in America would be something along the lines of the uh, Rat Pack, you know, with Sinatra and Martin and Davis. Um, uh, they, you know, there's a similar atmosphere in Greece. So there's a classic, um, the bouzouki, which is kind of like a guitar, I guess. Um, but I like the classic. I don't like too much of the modern stuff where they use computers and techno and all that crap. Just I like the traditional old school Greek music more than anything. So are you a Bruce fan? Yes, I am actually. So, um, so I always like to, if you can tell me mm -hmm. when you first discovered him and what about his music spoke to you? I first discovered him with the born in the USA album. So 84. Um, absolutely fell in love with that, with the few songs that came out. I didn't even, you know, know he had music before that. I mean, at that time, I was 12 years old when it came out. So it's one of my first major artist albums, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, but I love just about every tune on that album. I, actually, I did love every tune in that album. Um, with my absolute two favorites being My Hometown and Downbound Train. I, I mean, I still listen to those things like crazy right now. Yeah. Why those two songs? I love the guitar in Downbound Train the rhythm to it. Uh, my hometown is very sentimental to me because the first, uh, I guess, verse of it, first few lines was literally my life uh, growing up. You know, I was eight years old with a, uh, I was, yeah, eight years old running with a dime in my hand to the bus stop to pick up a paper with my old, for my old man. I'd sit on his lap in that big old Buick. So I literally still have that Buick sitting out in my yard. I mean, it's it's rusted through and through. It's there's no saving it, but it's dad's car. It just means that much to me because I remember sitting in his lap and, and you know steering and all that. So that song has a lot of you know sentimental value to me just just because of the beginning part of it. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey folks, Stephanie Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So I talked to you before we hit record that my brother, um, who's also a Dino um, was a truck driver toward the end of his life and downbound train was his favorite song. And, um, he just, because it, it fed, it, it mirrored his life. You know, I had a job, I had a girl, I had something going, Mr. In this world. Then I got laid off down at the lumber yard. Him was the oil field working, you know, right. petrochemium. and, uh, now I work down at the car wash for all it does is rain. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's, it's a beautiful, you know, song. It, it, both of those paint an image of, of a situation and a time that is absolutely amazing. So Born in the USA comes out, you're a fan. Did you continue to grow with Bruce and follow some of the other music? Did you I, I the back grew- catalog? Yeah, I grew with him um, a little bit, kind of broke, not broke away, just 
you know, other music came up. I think the only other album I bought from his was uh, Brilliant Disguise. You know, I, I, I think that's the name of the album. Tunnel right? Love. Uh, yeah, Tunnel Love. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one. So mm -hmm. that album, too, uh, it didn't do as much for me as Born in the USA did, but still a great album with, with a handful of songs on it that I really liked. Um, after that, I had I never bought another Springsteen album. I mean, I listened to it, if, you know, any other music he had on the radio, and that's when I started kind of little by little. Um, but then uh, after I moved to Florida, uh, I, the second time I moved back to Florida, because the first time I moved to Florida, I was here for like uh, five years, six years, and then I met my wife. I moved to Alabama for six and a half years. And when I came back to Florida in 04, yeah, I think it was a few years after that, I, ran, I met somebody who actually reconnected kind of. Um, I didn't know him growing up, but our fathers were best of friends and worked for the same company for in New York, um, the Seven Santini Brothers movie company. So me and him started really talking a lot and getting, you know, be close friends and everything. And he is a big Springsteen nut, um, Tony. He's been to, well, on this leg of the tour, he did, I think, four. No, three. He did Orlando. He did Tampa. And then he flew up for Newark. So, but his total was 64. He, I think he, he said the first one he did was the over the, uh, the river was the first one, like 78 or 79 or something like that. But he is a big Springsteen fan. And um, I always tease him about it. You know, like, dude, I like Springsteen too, but you have an old, an unhealthy fandom of Springsteen, right? So fast forward to this tour, and he's like, you got to join the Spring Nuts group so you can understand how crazy these fans are. And – I started kind of trolling, looking at the store, you know, the posts and reading them. And then I seen some of the, some of the, you know, two, three, four people were just putting stuff out there that just wasn't true or didn't make sense or whatever, you know, they made up stuff. So I said, all right, I'm going to set you guys straight. <laughs> so I started trolling the website, the uh, fan page there. And I got it. I, I got into it with a lot of the ones that were like, that was priceless, dude. Shut them down, mic drop, whatever you want to call it. Just keep it going. And well, so, yeah, Dina, I want to go back. So, talk about why you have that connection because you kind of got to do a pretty cool gig this time, didn't you? So, share a yeah. little bit about that. So, um, me getting on to Springsteen this time, it, it wasn't our company's um, tour, it was another company that didn't have, I guess, didn't have enough trucks. So they contacted the company I work for, and they said, you know, can we bought, can we have a few trucks for the tour? They sent me and one other guy over to the Springsteen tour for them. Um, the first month was just normal, you know, bust your butt, unload, take a nap, load, get ready, run to the next city type thing. Um, then we had the three um, shows that postponed or canceled, whatever, um, for the illness. Yeah. And they tell us we're in Albany. They said, "All right, start heading down to Philadelphia." You know, what are you towing? What are what are you carrying in the truck? Uh, my truck carried the stage, the actual metal platforms for the stage. Uh, there was two of us, mm -hmm. so the stage is very you know pretty big. So yeah, it is. Uh, it, was, it was me and uh, 
my coworker from our company. They put the two of us together. They said, you guys are on stage. And that was it. Now, you talked about that you you collect lanyards. Uh, so have you done other what we would call high profile jobs? Doing oh, yeah. This? OK, so talk about that. Um, so I worked for years uh, for a company called Upstaging. And they're out of Sycamore, Illinois. And um, I started as an owner-operator first, working kind of contracting with them and some other, you know, and other companies. I kind of bounced around back then. Um, and then in, I think it was 12 or 13, I, I decided to just get out, you know, sell the truck or whatever. I took about eight months off, and I'm like, I got to get back to work. <laughs> this is not working out for me being home and um, so I called up staging up. I told them I'm getting back on the road. And they're like, oh, you put, you know, you put your rig back on. I said, no, no, actually, I'm looking to be an employee this time. So I think it was like three or four days later, I was on a plane to Chicago to get into one of their trucks. So upstaging is the top dog in show transportation. They have over 200 rigs and they do all the major stuff like, well, not all, but, you know, the majority uh, because they're also a lighting company. So through my years, I've worked for Chesney, I've worked for Madonna, I've worked for Taylor Swift, Beyonce, uh, McCartney, uh, Alice Cooper, Shinedown, uh, and the list just goes on and on. What's, how, how good do the different people treat the crew that's, you know, driving this stuff and the roadies setting things up together. I mean, Uh, yeah. Talk to me about that because it, to, it may seem glamorous to us, like going to all these different shows. Do you guys, it's just a job. I mean, it's a cool job, but it's a job. It is a cool job. And you know, one of the probably most common questions I'm asked is, do you get to watch the show? And I'm like, you know what? You've seen one show. You've seen them all. When that show's going on, I should be sleeping, getting ready for the next run. So unless it's a day off or it's a venue that we have two shows in that I can catch the first one and then go to sleep, I really don't catch the shows. Or if depending on where in the line I'm loading, if I'm first in line or, you know, first few trucks to load, then I'll catch the last half hour of the show as it's coming down and then wait to load my truck. Um, But it. Yeah, it's it's the crew themselves, the backstage crew are the majority of them. I'm going to probably say, you know, 90 percent of them. Great people. They become a family on the road because you work with them for months at a time. Um, You do have a few divas in there, just like any any other um, uh, profession. Absolutely. Um, as As far as the bands and production. The majority of them are, are, are really good to their people. I can't say they're not, but there are a handful that it's like, man, I can't wait to get off this tour and I'm never doing this one again type thing, you know? Um, uh, and I'm not going to say which artists, but there, there were artists that. No, I wouldn't want you to. No. Yeah. There, there were artists that would not mistreat us, but were very high on themselves. Um, we had one years ago that they would walk in the building and everybody would be like, clear the hallway. He's walking through. Well, why? 
If he's just walking to his dressing room, why do I have to clear the hallway if I'm doing my job? You know, he just didn't want to be around people. Yeah. But at the end of the tour, that same person who didn't want to be around anybody did a uh, end of tour party, threw down a credit card at a, at a whatever the club was in Chicago that we were at. Not even going to say that one, but it was an all out expense on his card. And he hung out with everybody for a little while and then left. But, you know, by the end of the night, it was a $14,000 bill on his credit card for drinks and food and stuff like that. So he, you know, he did appreciate his people. He was just, you know, some of them are divas during the show. So I know that because of federal regulations and everything, you can only drive so many hours without a break. Do they, when they're planning the tour, is that built into when they're thinking about, you know, like I think they don't do back-to-back tours and shows anymore because the band's in their seventies and they need to rest is that built in for the time to travel from show to show? Yeah. Yeah. They do add in time. Um, and, and that's, it comes down to the way the band is not the one who sets the schedule. It's the promoter, which nor usually it's live nation. Okay. Um, live nation, depending on the artist too, and when they can get the venues um, Springsteen, of course, we had a couple of days in between every show um, a few years ago. I did Alice Cooper, and he was 70, 71 years old at the time. And yeah. we had shows that were back to back to back, for instance, but then we'd have three or four days to get to the next venue type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so the short distance moves we can do the show and then get going to the next to the next venue. But I think every, everything with with Springsteen what had at least a day off in between. So I'll I can remember, you know, different um sportscasters talk about there's venues like the old um, RFK in DC was, they said just horrible for, you know, for the, for the stadium, for the announcers, is there venues that are rougher from your perspective of getting a load unloaded and getting a load loaded and others that you go, wow, this, okay, good. This is going to, I like going to this place because it makes it a little bit smoother. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, as far as some of the smaller ones, the smaller venues, the majority of them are pretty decent getting in and out of there as long as they got a loading dock or two or three forklifts working at, you know around each other instead of having to wait for one to keep unloading, going back and forth. Um, there's been some tight ones that – I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a theater in Pittsburgh on the other side of the river from the uh, football stadium. And their dock, if you want to call it that, it was basically a roll-up door in a back alley that you backed right up to the elevator. And But you had to drop the trailer and move the tractor back across the street because you were blocking the lane of travel. So – and then th- that trailer would un- would unload. You'd have to back back under the trailer, hook up again, move it across, get another one. And it was a tight street trying to turn into this alley, let alone trying to get it straight and disconnected and all. But then you have some other venues like uh, the King Theater in, in Brooklyn. It's it's a sh- two docks, perfect, in and out. The only problem is you get some people that live in the neighborhood that like to park right on the corner and you can't make the turn. So you got to back out of the street, 
go around the block, go to the other street, and then back down that street to come straight into the dock that way. Um, the bigger venues, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you do arenas, uh, Madison Square Garden is always a – I'm not going to say a tough one. It's because the crew there is great. They know what they're doing. Um, that's New York one. But it's the traffic around us that we have to fight to get in and out of there because <laughs> – Look, like I said, I'm from New York, but man, people in my hometown are just assholes. <laughs> they they do not give you the time of day trying to move a truck, let alone a car in there. Yeah, they're all out um, of Fs, right? Like, yeah. hey, I don't care. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but then um, you go down to say uh, State Farm Arena in Atlanta. You got six docks there, fairly easy, you know, to get in and out. A little bit tight on the one end, uh, but then you go back up to Boston and TD Garden. That is a pain in the butt to get in and out of that one because it's a ramp that goes literally from street level up to the third floor. And I'm, I'm telling you, this thing has to be I – mean, it's quite an incline to get. And, and you have to back in. So – and then you get – they put roll-up door, like two roll-up doors, one down at the street, one halfway up. You get to the one that's halfway up, and you have to fold your mirrors in because, thank God, you got someone behind you on a radio, because you literally got inches on each side of that truck as you're backing up. Um, and God forbid you're driving an automatic, you're not making it up that ramp. They have to either nose up, because automatics will just heat up and lose their air pressure right away backing up that ramp, or they drop their trailer and someone with a manual will put it inside the building for them. So I'm in Dallas, Texas. So I saw the Dallas show, the Austin show, the Houston show. Um, I've had friends that are um, comic book creators, writers, artists, and they talk about the downside of going to conventions is you really don't see anything of the town. You fly in, you spend three days at the venue doing the comic book convention you meet people you may get dinner that night somewhere but you don't really see any of the city how about you do you get to see any of like did you drive down to houston austin and uh dallas no we we didn't get well we drove to to the, to the venue but we didn't go anywhere else after that yeah it, that was the you know kind of the beginning of the tour i guess the first few weeks and that yeah, was Going to Texas was a little bit of a run because we were going from Orlando, I think it was, or Miami. Yeah, so somehow that, Florida, yeah. Yeah, so that was quite the run because we only had a day off to get there. So it was basically leave the show, drive all night, stop, take a break, drive the next night, go right to the venue. So, but that one actually is, is it, it, once you do it a couple of times, the American Airlines Arena, there. what is it? Is it American Airlines Arena there in, in Dallas? Dallas, yeah. Um, I, I've, I've lost track of the names and cities <laughs> through the years, but, um, that one there, it hold it held all our trucks down below, but they only have one, two, I think six, seven docks, but it's so tight down below that we can do it as long as the buses aren't in there yet or any other delivery trucks. Cause you basically have to turn nose into one dock to back into the other type thing. So they, they didn't quite plan the open, you know, the, the common area in front of the docks. 
So it's like, yeah, how are you going to spin this thing around down here? <laughs> Absolutely. So the I'm going to switch a little bit to tr- driving and entertainment. Yep. The the cliche, right, is the long distance driver. He's, um, you know, you've got it on the radio. There's, you know, those AM stations that have the big signal. Um, are you still a music guy when you're driving? Do you do podcasts? Do you do Sirius XM? What what what? What do you listen um, to when you're driving? I I tried the Sirius XM and I got rid of it after about a month or so because they just play the same stuff over and over again. Um, podcasts, yeah. Once I'm not really into you know something that'll put me to sleep. You know, what, if I'm driving, I, I love podcasts, but if I'm driving. I need something, you know, with a beat to it type thing. Uh, unless it's a more in the morning and I'm I'm tra- in traffic, then I may catch a um, a sports show, like on one of the AM channels, for instance. I sure. love listening to you know Stephen A. Smith in the morning. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Sports talk. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, it's I, that's the only way I get to keep up with the sports since I'm dry, I'm sleeping at night. But um, as far as music. I usually will download a song onto my phone or something and just I have a whole library on on a thumb drive. I just pop it into the into the radio and just let it play from there. I got about, you know, two or three thousand songs. Yeah, my brother really um, got into books on tape, um, you know, for the long distance. Right. He he found that entertaining uh, to do that. Um, So. I, it's good to know you're still hanging in there with music. That's, that's awesome. Um, do you think you'll get to work on the next round of the tour? You don't know. I, that I won't know till July-ish probably um, because they, they could put me on any other tour between now and then. And if that tour delays for whatever reason, then it's going to cut into my time if I were to be chosen to go there. The other reason they don't tell us till the last minute is because you get drivers out there that are like, well, why does he get to go work on this? And I don't type thing. So they, the bosses, whoever you work for, they basically like, we'll just tell you last minute. And then you can't argue it. You go to work, be quiet. You've already mentioned one person that shall remain nameless that ended up buying a party. Do you have, um, you know, Brushes with greatness. Have you been able to meet some of the people you're driving for and any stories oh, yeah. you want to share? Yeah. yeah, I had, um, you know, a couple of stories, you know, with, with Chesney. He was very um, hands on backstage. Um, Alice Cooper was a great person, very polite, very uh, articulate in the way he carried himself um, so and gonna, was very good I'm, with people. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you there. <laughs> Yeah, this is my favorite Alice Cooper story. Once again, to die in, it was a sports station and uh, the host saw him like at the golf course, but he didn't interrupt his game. He was just going up there and he he was saying like, you're effing Alice Cooper and everything. And he said that uh, Alice likes, I don't really like language like that. Could you not cuss around me? <laughs> and he oh, said, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry, Mr. Cooper. <laughs> so, so I love hearing you saying that he's just so polite and nice, and that's he, great. He's very, very laid back, very polite. Um, doesn't drink, doesn't do anything. 
uh, he pulls his Jeep behind the bus and actually does nine rounds of golf in the morning, wherever he may be. Um, the crew, the whole crew is, I mean, probably one of the better crews that I've ever worked with. Um, then that crew kind of, I want to say that was either 17 or 18 I did that tour. And I was going to go home for, for a while and then come back out for the next leg of that tour. But the bosses that where I was said, no, we're, we're too busy in the summertime. We got major tours that year. We really need to set you up on one of those. And if you're going to take your time, you need to go do it now. So, which basically took me off of Alice Cooper's next leg of the tour. But while I was home, they started the next leg of that tour in Clearwater, Florida, about 20 minutes from where I lived. So I get down there as the trucks were arriving. You know, I showed my lamb. You know, I still had my laminate from the previous leg. And I walk in. I say hi, say hi to everybody and all that, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I live 20 minutes away. And they're like, you want to bring your wife to the show? I said, sure. You know, we bring, you know, I go back home and tell her, hey, get ready. We're going to a show tonight. So I get to take her backstage and give her the whole VIP treatment, let her do the whole meet and greet and all that. And he was, he was like, wow. He goes, Dino, I thought we had you this time. And my wife's like, oh, my God, he knows my husband by name, you know. So that, that was my cool moment with Alice Cooper. But That is um, a very cool moment. Yeah, for him to, to remember my name after two months, you know, yeah. But then my wife growing up on the Baptist belt in Alabama, she was always growing up. She was always taught that the makeup was all tattooed on and that's just the way he is. And then we go backstage and he's got no makeup on. He's wearing, you know, like khaki pants and a polo shirt. He's looking normal. And she's like, Oh my God, he's normal. <laughs> that's that's a great story, and that's great. So, did you um, were you able to uh, meet any of Bruce or the band? Um, not not up close, like actually sit down and talk with them. But we, because of where the trucks were and where the uh, SUVs were parked, they would always walk by us as we're getting ready to get the trucks loaded. So it was always like, hey, how you doing? Or, you know, thank you, you know, whatever the case. Um, Stevie actually walked by uh, walked by me, turned, you know, was getting in his SUV, turned around and was like, thank you guys for everything. And then jumped in the SUV and left. Um, Jake was probably the most down to earth guy. Um, he was, I think, I mean, always in catering, getting something to eat. It's not like, he would eat in his dressing room or go out and eat first or whatever. He was always in catering with all the every, you know, with the backstage crew and all that. So he was a very, uh, very down to earth guy. He seems to be just based on interviews and stuff. That's, that's really cool. Um, you know, I always think of that when my wife, when she first started um, running um, so she started doing 5Ks and half marathons and marathons. And she always made a point of as she was walking, you know, running by the volunteers or the policemen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Right. So it's nice to hear that someone like Steven and the rest of them are all acknowledging like, hey, guys, yeah, you know, this is yeah, this it does, is it does good. feel good to do that. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, that's nice. Um, what should I have asked you that I haven't, you know? Um, man, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, just, you can ask me whatever you want. I mean, um, as far as, 
I'll tell you how I, I got going with this whole spring nut thing. Yeah, please uh, tell that, me. Back to, that, back to that story was, so we had the three shows that postponed for illness, and we're on our way to uh, Philadelphia. So that's when my, my buddy Tony says, you got to join the fan page, you know, the Spring Nuts page, so you can understand how crazy these people are. I said, all right, fine. I joined it. I started watching the, uh, you know, looking at all the posts, and I'm like, okay, th 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 this ain't right. And like, you know, and one by one, I was like, you know what? I got to start, you know, breaking and bursting their bubble. What's so, what's an example of something that just was incorrect? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that now. That's because this is what made it so much fun for me at first. Um, there was there was one post. I can't remember the guy um, basically said Philadelphia's a go and the trucks are already there. And I'm like, wait a minute. We didn't get a go sign from production. So we don't know if Philadelphia's happening. We just know we're heading that way. So then I said, really, what trucks What trucks are you seeing? Because he's saying the Bruce Springsteen trucks are already in Philly. Now, the show, I think that week was a Friday night, and this was a Wednesday night he's posting this. And I'm like, we're nowhere near Philadelphia, guys. So he posts a picture, and I said, hey, that's not a Springsteen truck. That is a mobile studio for the hockey game for the Flyers for Wednesday night. He goes, no, no, no. I have it on good authority that those are Bruce Springsteen's trucks. I said, Really? I said, well, I have it on good authority because I'm the driver and I'm telling you we're not there. <laughs> that, that was Talk one. about Mike Trop, right? Like, just yeah. yeah. So that guy went away. I get to Philadelphia Thursday morning, so we have a day off in Philly, and we got to go around and get cheesesteak sandwiches and stuff like that. So I get to Thursday morning, and I'm seeing, oh, my buddy's the union boss at the uh, Wells Fargo Arena, and he's saying that the trucks have been unloaded and the stage is already set up, and And lights are going up next. I said, really? Kind of funny since the stage is on my truck and we haven't unloaded. Not till tomorrow morning. Mic drop number two. Then when we're leaving Philly Friday night, I took a picture of us out there with the trucks getting ready to leave. And I said, hey, guys, we're, leave we're leaving Philadelphia and we're heading to Penn State. And that's, that's how I started trolling them was with, through the pictures. And by the time I got to Penn State, it was like, where's Dino? We need to know where Dino's at. Where's this? Where's the trucks? Thank you. And then it just kind of grew from there. By the time I got to Detroit, they're inviting me to the pre-concert uh, parties they have, you know, that afternoon. And then little by little, everyone's like, oh, my God, you're Dino. Can we take a picture? And it just went from there. And I was like, guys, I I'm just a driver having a little fun. I, they, the group – As a whole, um, great people. I'm talking like they are the most um, into their group of any artist I've ever seen. And the acknowledgement they gave the drivers, and I said, guys, I didn't go looking for this 15 minutes of fame, but as long as they're, they're putting a light on the drivers and what they do and what we do and how hard it is for what we do, You know, then I'll, I'll keep it going as much as I can go. You know, and everybody's like, I didn't give them anything they that was sensitive material, but I gave them a different point of view from the outside because the trucks outside, it's fair game. You know, if they can see it from the street, then then I can take pictures, I can do whatever. So being in my truck outside and then taking a picture of the people standing outside the gate. That's fair game also since I was – they could see me. I could see that. So it just went from there. And then, you know, I get to Brooklyn, and uh, Howie, who's the uh, 
I guess the uh, the one that started the Spring Nuts page. Our warden. Yes, indeed. Yes. He actually uh, had a T-shirt and a hat and made me an honorary nut in Brooklyn, which was kind of kind of a, um, a come full circle for me because they asked me, where did you grow up? Where were you born? And I said, literally three blocks away. I said the two white buildings over there. That's that was the first home I, you know, I was brought to, growing up, or when you know when I was born. But then Long Island came along, and it's and then you know Cleveland, and people started getting me like, oh, we want to give you this. I'm like, guys, you don't have to get me anything. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm enjoying giving you guys a little insight, whatever I can. And it's no, they they really. Really, um, just I'm still in awe at how this took off and how appreciated I am, and how people, you know, are still talking about it. You know, um, I even today I got a, someone posted. They're like, "Hey, you know, we miss Dino giving us insights." He goes, and yeah, I think they're on their way to Ireland now to Dublin. And uh, someone posted, "We need an Irish version of Dino so we can stay in the loop, right?" So I went on. Um, the reface app and put my face on a leprechaun and sent it to him. I said, how's that work for you? <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. So we're, we're, we're having a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, I love the spring nuts and, and I, I just, I've had Howie on the show multiple times and um, I get a lot of guests from that group and it is, it, I think, I think Bruce has, Overall, there's always jerks, as you talked about, right? There's always mm-hmm. those percentage that are divas. But overall, the people who love Bruce and his music are just good people. They care oh, yeah. about each other. They want to help each other. They, um, I will tell you, during COVID, um, you know, Dean was kind of, you know, he was feeling a little unappreciated right like he's he's picking up in houston he's driving to costco dropping off toilet paper and supplies and you know he's like you know just it seems a little frustrating and so you know i posted on facebook hey my brother's a driver he's out there taking care of things during you know covid can we send him a lot of love and man hundreds of posts tell your brother, I love him. Tell him we appreciate it. What can we do? And, you know, there is so much love that, and, and I do think it's, you know, Bruce, it comes from the top down, right? I think he cares about people. I think he cares about his art. And I think that's great. And, and I love that we, you know, that you've been able to give him just a little bit of behind the scenes of what that's yeah. like. And, and that's greatness. I, I love that story. The, the love they that everybody has shown, and, and I'll give you an example on that is, so when I first started doing the, you know, trolling, I, I told my wife about it, and she's like, please don't get fired from this, George. Just stop doing it. And I'm like, okay, baby, sure. Well, I kept doing it. And probably, I think it was probably around Long Island, uh, the two shows at UBS Arena. And I said, hey, babe, um, I got remember when you told me to stop doing it and she's like, yeah, I said, well, I didn't. And I got like 15 minutes of fame going right now. She's like, no way. I said, I don't believe you. I said, look, 
join the spring nuts page and you'll see and just go back about 30 about a month and just look at all the posts i have i'm getting six seven eight nine hundred likes a thousand likes per post and she's like oh my god i can't she goes you're just a nut as they are <laughs> so i think it was uh right after uh, right after i told her that the next day i, I put a post i said hey guys this is my wife. I want to. I want you guys to welcome her to the Spring Nuts page, and thank her for letting me come out and play with you guys. I saw that post. I loved that post. Oh my god, the attention she got on that one! And she's like, I can't believe it. Um, last this past Wednesday, um, Ryan, uh, we did a thing with Ryan where we sat down in the in the barn, you know, and did it, it outdoor, and. Um, you know, we they wanted to meet KJ and talk a little, and and ninety percent of it was was all KJ. Yeah. And think when we shut it down, it was a little over an hour after we started, and she already had almost five hundred comments, not likes, comments on it. And Ryan's like, "Hey, everybody went nuts for your wife." That's you know, awesome. She, yeah, I mean, it's we're. We're having a lot of fun with it. And, you know, that's, you know, this is a once in a lifetime experience and whatever, how long it lasts, it lasts. Um, but I told everybody, I said, look, guys, if I don't go back to Springsteen in, at the end of, at the end of the summer, I said, you guys have made a believer out of me. I'm going to stick with the group, you know, and you guys have really showed me some love and I, I really want to, you know, stick it out. And they're like, oh my God, they're like, you can't get rid of us that easy. <laughs> You, you can't. And it is, um, it is, it is a blessing. And, you know, I, I've done over a thousand episodes of set busting Bruce, where I've talked to Bruce Springsteen fans from around the world. Right. Um, and it is, it is by far, you know, it is a joy to share people's stories and to talk about how this man's music has brought them joy and comfort them and uh you know been there for him and i just am so thrilled that you took time to share with me tonight your little journey and yeah oh my god once you're a spring nut you're always a spring nut yeah i i will i'm a very sharing person i got i'm an open book i will talk about just about anything yeah um i will i will tell you this much though with the the state of the industry right now as far as from the driver's point of view yeah um when the pandemic hit Everything it shut everything down literally overnight for us. The majority of the senior guys that have been in show business, whether it's you know movies or music or sports or whatever the case, were like, you know what? I'm not going to run in freight. I'm just going to go home. I've got money saved up because we get paid fairly well, and most of the guys stayed there. The problem was is it forced them to figure out a way to pay their bills while they were at home. Which was great. Everybody just about did it. But the problem then was when the shows started back up again, they're like, guess what? I could stay home and make and pay my bills. I don't have to worry about being on the road for months and months and months at a time. So a good portion of them didn't come back. And they're they're having a hard time filling seats of these trucks. You know, there's company all the companies all across have have empty trucks just sitting there, can't get drivers for them. And it's hard to find a quality driver who's willing to stay out months at a time. We can recruit guys from 
you know, from a freight company. But then like two or three weeks later, I thought, when do I get to go home? Uh, you don't, buddy. This is this is touring. You go from one concert to another all year long. And I gave the one guy example. My last full year that I was balls to the wall, just all about touring. I left the house April 1st, 2018. I didn't pull into my driveway till April 5th, 2019. Wow. And in that 370 or so days, I only saw my wife a total of 19 and a half hours. Mm. Not counting video calls, just yeah. in person. So, guys, you may want to be a rock and roll driver. But it's a and nothing against the everyday truck driver, but what we do is a completely different beast. Yeah, okay, yeah, really. Is. Our the lack of hours, you know, because you're you may be up because of the union being delayed and not get enough sleep to do that next night. So guess what? You're doing coffee and energy drinks or whatever, trying to get to the next city so you can go right to sleep when you get there a little bit. You know, um, the schedules are not steady for instance we could have three days to do 100 miles and then we have two days to do 2,000 miles exactly you know yeah. we did tulsa uh when we left tulsa with springsteen i think the next show was portland they were worried about the all the snow that they had across montana and wyoming and colorado and all that because interstate 80 was shut down interstate 70 was shut down and they were talking about going into california from the south and having to put another set of drivers on each truck. So each truck would have two drivers so they can run that truck straight through. That's where my experience kind of came in, me and the uh, other guy that I work with. Cause we're like, guys, why would we have to run all the way into Los Angeles and come up from five? The interstates are closed. Okay. So we go South, we go to Oklahoma city, cut across 40 to uh, Albuquerque and then we can take the U.S. right out of Albuquerque and go diagonal right into Salt Lake City, okay? And we'll we'll probably miss 90% of that snow. We'll hit something, but this, the U.S. routes, the cities and the towns fairly keep their streets a lot cleaner than the interstates for their residents. So we hit the, U, we hit the U.S. route, and we did Tulsa to Albuquerque to Salt Lake City up to Portland – in 69 and a half hours and did it legally. And I was a little over 2,100 miles. Wow. So the fact that they did it, and that's where the production, the production will come to the drivers and they're like, you know, what do you guys think? What are we going to do? What are we? And they, they absolutely love the idea of not having to put another driver on that truck and still make the show. So we roll, I mean, the majority of them, they rolled in at about four o'clock that morning. And or five, yeah, four between four and five that showed up. Me and the other guy I work with, and one other guy, we rolled in the night before because we knew exactly where we wanted to stop. We weren't going to push ourselves. Um, the the younger guys or the newer guys, I should say, their problem was is they were like, we got to run all night. We got to run all night. Well, no, you don't have to run all night. You know, run a few hours as best as you can. Three, four, five hours. Stop. Take your ten hour break. Wake up at noon or one o'clock, whatever it was, and then run like crazy because by that time the sun is up, it's melted most everything on the road or heated the day up or whatever the case, and you can run a lot better during the day in in any weather condition, you know. So you're without 
we don't have to do it. Everybody was like, where they were running, say, 45 miles an hour all night, I, I stopped and I would run 70 of the day and still be ahead of them. Sure. Because you're you smart. Know? Driving yeah. smart. It, it, it's, it's the pre-planning. And I said, guys, it comes down to pre-planning. Think about your hours. Think about where the, the problem spots are and, and plan it accordingly. There's nothing that says you have to run 10 hours right off the bat. You know, yeah. that makes and a lot nothing, of sense. And there's nothing that says you gotta, you gotta go to a truck stop. And you know, a lot of times we get stretches that there's no truck stops for a couple hours, for instance. Hey, look, you got food in your truck. Yeah. You got a bottle you can be in. Yeah. All right. Stop wherever you can, a shoulder, a, a off ramp, a empty lot, whatever. You stop when you, when you have to, to get that break and, and maximize your speed safely versus trying to run on ice at night. It doesn't make sense. It sure doesn't. That's great. You know, this has been a blast. I appreciate it. Um, Anytime, Jesse. Anytime. Yeah, this is great. Uh, so, um, so I'd sent you, I don't know if you saw the Mary question. I don't know if you've done your homework. Uh, uh, I have. Okay, so the song Thunder Road. Um, yeah. If not, I'll cut this out. So Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher who's retired, but he would, during the time he was teaching, he would give the song Thunder Road to his class. They would study it as a poem, and then he would ask the question at the end, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Dino, that is your question. Does Mary so get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? To be honest with you, I, I really didn't didn't pay attention to the words. I was jamming to the tune. Nothing you know, wrong to the with music. that. So, Nothing wrong with so that. So now, now you got me. I'm going to go listen to Thunder Road today and tonight and just just listen to the words. I'll have to get back to you on that one. That's all you got to do. Uh, you can, uh, in fact, here. Send my me my book. homework assignment. I will send you your homework and I'll give you a number. You can call and go, hey, this is Dino. Here's my answer. And I'll, I'll edit it <laughs> in. All right. You got it. Hey, Jesse, it's Dino. Uh, did my homework. <laughs> uh, listened to Thunder Road, the words, and uh, I don't think Mary got out of the car at the end. Uh, kind of uh, the impression I got with the uh, line about the skeletons of burned out Chevrolets was that uh, they got into the car, possibly a wreck or something, and they never made it out. So just my take on it. All right. Love you later, buddy. Give me a buzz sometime. Bye. All right. I tell, I tell, you, I tell you the one thing that really made my it really um, made an impression on me with Bruce on this tour was the last show. That morning, his nephew died. He didn't have to go through with that show. And, and there wasn't a soul in that arena that would have blamed him if he didn't. Okay, but the fact that he was able to go on that on with that show and put a smile on people's faces and laugh a little bit—I mean, he had his moments of sentimental. You know, uh, value, but I think the one of the funniest little moments, and it was just an innocent thing, was when he was like, "All right, let's see how quiet we can get," and everybody going, "Bruce," is it? Don't Bruce me, I'm working. <laughs> that was right there was one of the funniest moments for me of the night. I love, but it. like that I said, actually, he puts his fans first. It, I don't think there's there's many artists 
that appreciate their their fans as much as Bruce does. Uh, you could see it in his face and the way he conducts himself. A lot. I mean, and, and here's the thing: a lot of people, you know, a few years ago, really got off the Bruce train because of some of his political. Okay, it's political comments are his opinion. Are you going to stop listening to somebody because they have a difference of opinion? No. Okay. You don't have to. You don't have to love his ideas. You can just love his music. Music brings the world together. It shouldn't separate people. Well said, my friend. Well said, my friend. All right, hang tight while I do a little business. Um, uh-huh. I'm always looking for feedback. So if you want to reach me, setlustingbruce at gmail.com is my email address. My voicemail, 469-249-2442. I'm about to send that to Dino so he can send me his merry answer. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is at setlustingbruce. Going to your favorite podcast player to write and review the podcast helps immensely. Dino, this was a blast. Thank you for joining me. I hope you had Thank a good time. Having... Oh, I had a, I had a blast. I, I, like I said, uh, this whole experience is I'm going to live it up as much as I can until it goes away. That is sounds perfect. Listeners, thank you for being here. Remember to be safe, be kind. And remember, if we open up our hearts, love won't forsake us. Just let the music take us and carry us home. Thank you, Dino. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.